Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 13 of Faith, Tech, and Space. I'm your host, Rich Haver from WindowsObserver.com. Good to be with you here just one week after our last episode, episode 12. Uh, as promised, I'm in this lull from classes right now, so I've got uh, the ability to be able to sit down and do a show every week. So this format will be a little shorter, of course, because we won't be covering five weeks' worth of stuff. And uh, we'll continue to do this, and maybe we get back in a rhythm again, kind of like the old Observe Tech days and get back in that weekly rhythm where it the shorter show is easier to process every week and stuff like that. So that's what we're going to go for. That's what we're going to try to do. So kicking off today's show, I want to open up a little bit and talk about what I'm going, what's going on with me hardware-wise. So on my main desktop, I have had a motherboard CPU combination. It's an AMD FX6350. It's a, it's an older eight-core. Uh, or six core, I'm sorry, six core CPU, but it's about six and a half, seven years old. Same with the motherboard at the time that I bought that. And I've since upgraded SSDs and memory and things of that nature. But unfortunately, I'm starting to experience an issue with the system that is um, causing intermittent problems. And so when I went to go research and figure out what I needed to do to fix it with the age of the motherboard, the age of the CPU and all that kind of stuff, it was time for an upgrade. So um, in order to do this, I did some research, and uh, AMD, I'm a big AMD fan. I've been building AMD-based systems for a while now, so I knew I was going to go AMD because in my own personal opinion, you get a little more, you get a little more for your dollar. Uh, you may not have comparable performance of the same chip, chip level with, say, Intel, but for what you're paying, you're getting a lot of great performance. And the AMD Ryzen 5 3600 CPU uh, is very well-reviewed. It's considered a number one bestseller on Amazon in their CPU processor case uh, category. Um, and so it's a six-core, 12-thread uh, desktop processor. comes with a cooler with it and everything like that. It's an AMD, an AM4-based uh, chip, so it, it fits on boards that support AM4 and the latest Ryzen desktop chips. So because of the new CPU, which doesn't go with the old motherboard, and me being unable to determine where the exact error is, so got an upgraded motherboard as well, and what I ended up going with was the Gigabyte X570, which is their latest brand, latest chipset. It's called the Aorus, A-O-R-U-S Elite. And it supports AMD Ryzen. Um, it's got PCI Express 4.0, DDR4 memory, USB 3. It's got a one gigabyte connection. It's got all the cool RGB stuff if you like to dress up your system with RGB. It supports M2 um, SSDs. So I've got one of those that I pulled out. I remember I told the story about the HP X360 that I had to take apart and get rid of because of the swollen battery. I, I kept that M2 motherboard out of, or uh, SSD out of that. So I might stick that in here just uh, down the road to test it as an alternate. But I really am excited about the opportunity to upgrade there. Um, so got the motherboard. It's a full ATX motherboard. So I got it. We got the new CPU. And because of the routing and some of the wiring and stuff with the motherboard, I went and got a new case as well to fit it. So I, I purchased an ATX mid-tower. I find mid-tower kind of that perfect uh, fit, good airflow, good compact size. Uh, it's got a clear side on it. it. This is one of those new cases. This has been a trend in cases where they're now making it possible to put the power supply in the bottom of the case. And then you route your wires, your your disk drives go in front of that in the bottom of the, the case. And then it's actually on the 
on the back side of the main plane where you mount the motherboard, it's got mounts for your SSD. So you route your power and you route your data cables over there and you can mount, uh, it comes wired set up to mount one SSD and you can also use the front uh, drive slots that you can access to mount SSDs as well. So it's up to you how you want to lay it out and do it. But you can route all your cables, keep your cables out from over top of your motherboard, and so it looks to be a much cleaner setup. This case comes with a single 120 millimeter fan installed at the back. Of course, the, the, there are options to add um, additional fans at one additional 120 millimeter at the top for exhaust as well as in the front you can mount 220 millimeter fans to pull air in and then it exhausts and goes out through the back. The other key is is you got to watch cases because some of the cases you know on the back where your motherboard goes and where you might install a video card some of those slots are, are part of the case, right? You have to kind of twist them, bend them, and you end up with sharp edges. So one of the things I looked for specifically on this case was the type that remove, they're not part of the case. So you can easily remove them and then mount in your card and stuff like that. So um, new case, new CPU, new motherboard. What I'm recycling from my current system is the 32 gig of DDR4 memory that I have in it. I have two solid state drives, one's a one terabyte and one's a 256. So I'm gonna bring both of those forward and I'm gonna recycle and use again, continue to use my GeForce GTX 1050 Ti card, which I believe has four gigabyte of VRAM on it. Uh, and then I, I added about a year and a half ago when all the, the, the your phone stuff was going on with Windows 10, I added a Bluetooth card, a 5.0 Bluetooth card, and I'm gonna bring that forward into this system as well to have Bluetooth connectivity. So um, here's the funny part, right? So I ordered all these parts, and the projection on the case was that it would be available, or the motherboard, maybe it was the motherboard, would be available like at the end of this coming week. So we're talking about the 13th, 14th, 15th of August, right? So when I ordered the CPU, it had a deal that said, hey, we'll deliver this on your Amazon day, right? That's where they combine all your shipping and you save a buck. You get a buck credit to use for digital stuff. So I said, well, since the since the motherboard's not going to be here until three or four days after that, let me go ahead and do this. I'll have it delivered on my Amazon Tuesday, which for me is in two days, the 11th of August. Today's the 9th of August, Sunday, when we're recording this podcast. So I, I did that. All the orders were placed. And then as things started to click, it the CPU shipped early. The motherboard shipped early. So I'm already in possession. I'm not not the CPU. The the case arrived ahead of time, a couple days ahead of time. This the motherboard arrived a few days ahead of time. And now I gotta wait for the CPU. Had I not delayed it to Tuesday, I'd already have the CPU in hand and I would be doing a computer build today. But that's the way things go. So that's okay though. So everything well, I will have the final piece on Tuesday. And so the decision is is do I wait Tuesday night? Do I have a big build out and kind of go for it? Or do I wait until next weekend and, and start then? I'm not sure. I'm impatient. Most likely I'm gonna build this thing one day after work this week. So we'll see how that goes. So I'll keep you up to date. I'll update you in next week's podcast uh, how that build out goes. But I'm looking forward to it. And and this is the way I kind of approach building PCs. <clears throat> Excuse me, is that I like to build and and get pieces and parts that have upgradability, right? So I can maybe do a two to three year midterm upgrade. Um, so this this uh, motherboard supports higher. It goes all the way up to like Ryzen nine. So like four generations of the Ryzen chip, 
Um, so I could potentially upgrade the CPU down the road. I can probably upgrade to faster DDR RAM. Uh, and of course, SSDs and things of like that. And of course, video card can all be upgraded down the road. So I have opportunities to bump up the performance of the system over time. The difference between what I'm doing now compared to what I have is going to be significant. I went to a benchmark website and compared the FX6350 CPU to the, the Ryzen 5 3600, and it's like a fourfold performance increase. So I'm looking forward to getting this all put together and see how that comes together. Uh, so that's what we will be doing around that time. All right, on the face side, not much has changed. I mean, last week we talked about the fact that I'd closed out a couple classes. I had grades for my um, uh, for my local patristics class on my final paper, which I got a commendable grade on, which is the highest grade we get. Um, and then we've wrapped up also my um, scripture class. So both of those closed out. So I, I took a day, I, a couple days ago, I took all my files, all my study materials, all the stuff that was generated uh, paper-wise, over the course of the last year, this first year of aspirancy towards my studies and formation, and I put them together, and, and I've got three separate accordion files full of stuff that relate to this first year that are now archives for me. Anyway, I'll go back to them at some point, but they are archived and stored, and I'm slowly starting to prepare the bits and pieces I'll need for year two. <clears throat> so did that that but it's really nice to have the break from not having daily homework or daily reading or daily form assignments and things like that um, I did mention last week that one of the things we we're going to be that I would be doing this weekend was going to buy my first vestments so vestments um, are what we wear during um, uh, the mass and for myself as an aspirant one of the events that are coming up here uh, next month in September is our rite of candidacy mass. So the rite of candidacy for holy orders is the first time that we publicly in the mass to the bishop uh, uh, express our intent to uh, move forward towards holy orders and ordination. It's certainly no guarantee of ordination because we still have just a little less than two years of study and formation to go. But it's, it's a point where we move off from being aspirants that this first year is kind of evaluation. We're learning, we're doing classes as you've heard about, but we're learning and we're doing that kind of stuff. And then the uh, moving into the second year, once we go through the rite of candidacy mass, we become candidates for holy orders. And so our formation continues, but it's just in a different state. Uh, and then again, going to this mass with the bishop, all seven of us in my cohort will make that known, will we'll publicly express that in the mass to the bishop um, and make that public. So that is coming up. So yesterday, I went down to St. Augustine to the shrine of Our Lady of La Leche um, and met my mentor, my deacon mentor, and we we purchased my first vestments, uh, which was an alb that is a, um, a white uh, white vestment that goes from your neck. It has long uh, sleeves with big open sleeves, and it goes all the way down to the top of your shoes. And then a cincture, which is a rope a, 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 that a, that gets tied around your waist and is used to help hold the uh, the alb around your waist, and it helps kind of with the hem and stuff like that. So anyway, we got that stuff. Uh, got it purchased. The folks at the store down there were great because the normal place that you would do that isn't open on Saturdays. We didn't realize that. But we spoke to the manager of the retail store there at the Shrine at the gift shop. They made a phone call, got us access, got us over there, uh, showed us where the rack was. The first one I picked up off the rack was the one we bought. It fit well. It was a great, great setup. My deacon mentor bought me the cincture as a gift. And um, 
we came home with it. So now to get it pressed and have it ready for next month. So that was pretty neat to be able to, it, there's an element of that, of making that purchase that, that it, there's a real to it. I, I'm, if you understand what I'm saying, I, I in no way make any assumption that, that I am automatically going to be ordained in two years. There's a lot to go on between now and then. I'm certainly moving down that path. And if God's will is that I be ordained, then I will be ordained um, in a little less than two years. And so I don't like to make any assumption that my ordination is an automatic or anything like that. There's still a long, a, a good travel, a good journey to go with that. But buying your first vestment is really kind of one of those moments when it's like, wow, uh, there's a there's a real to this that that kind of this path and and journey is a very real thing and I've known that but again making that investment and stuff like that just kind of had gave me that new thought about the process so I am going to include a link to the webpage for Our Lady of La Leche and you can check that out and uh, see a little bit about that the other thing we learned this week was we heard from the director of uh, deconformation and we got our first syllabus for one of our local classes this year this one will be a class that we have in november and december so our second class of the year and this will be on the theology of the body now the theology body is the teaching of the church concerning human sexuality it focuses on the history or the class is going to focus on the history of this theme and theological tradition of the church. Uh, we'll cover basic moral values. We'll talk about chastity and how it applies to all states of life. And when the church says states of life, they mean single, married, uh, ordained, priest, clergy, deacon, whatever it might be, sisters, religious, that, that states of life is your state of life. Uh, theology of the body was a very big subject for St. John Paul II. Uh, he spent five years writing a couple books uh, and giving weekly messages on theology of the body during his weekly addresses from the Vatican. Uh, we're actually just going to have two full class days for this. So we have some pre-reading and some preparation to do. Uh, one of our, our first assignment to turn in before our first class is we have to write an eight-minute homily on the theology of the body. And we've been given three Vatican documents about theology of the body that we have to have quotes from as part of our homily to talk about theology of the body. So this will be a very interesting exercise. It's not one we're actually going to stand up and give, though, because of time, but we will be turning it in for uh, great. So that's kind of where we're at. And then online, we know and uh, that we will be doing uh, fundamental theology for 12 weeks. Beginning next month, we start pick up that class for our first class of our second year uh, in the online uh, schedule. And then I got another link here just for reference, daily mass readings. The U.S. Council of Catholic Bishops runs a website, and they have the readings there every day, and they recently went through a web design, and it created a little bit of confusion because it wasn't in its normal place. So this link takes you directly to the daily readings that are associated with the Mass of the day. And the church has a three-year reading cycle for the Sunday Masses and a two-year reading cycle for the daily Masses. And so this is just an easy way to kind of connect in and find the first reading, the second reading, and the gospel reading of the day. All right. Diving into tech, let's talk a little bit of tech. Of course, because this is only one week since the last show, that means we've only had one build in the Windows Insider program. That was build uh, 20185. So the dev channel is currently on 20185. Beta channel is on 19042.423. 
and release preview channel is on 19041.423. So that's where we stand right now with the three channels in the Windows Insider program for testing. Uh, significance in build 20185 is new DNS configuration in the settings app. So you can, they're more accessible because they're right there. So you can now edit your DNS server assignment right there. It's a top level option in the network properties. There are encrypted DNS controls in the settings app. Now you can do DNS over HTTPS to help be more secure while you're browsing the web. So that's a big plus. Um, what else is in there? They've added some new administrative um, policy uh, uh, policy packages for mobile device management. And there's multiple ADMX files here that are listed as available now. And then other updates for Insider outside of the build of Windows itself is the big update to your phone uh, for PC. Uh, these are tied to um, the experience in your phone is grad will roll out to all Windows Insider that is configured in dev, beta, or release preview channel. And there's server-side changes, so it takes a little bit of time for it to propagate out. But they talk about those new features, and this ties in with Samsung's announcements this week. Big partnership continues, and they, in fact, if you're running the right software, the right your phone, the right dev uh, Windows 10 build, and the right Samsung phone, uh, you can now stream apps from your phone to your desktop through the earphone app. Unfortunately, this is Samsung only. Uh, and unfortunately, with my move to OnePlus, I can't access this feature. It is very compatible with a lot of Samsung devices, so you don't have to have the latest and greatest, but it is tied to Samsung devices. So if you're a OnePlus or you're any other kind of Android user, not happening. And we're going to talk a minute about the whole um, uh, iOS side of this, because unfortunately, iOS is very restrictive when it comes to this. Hasn't been big deal for your phone to be able to do some of the things we can on Android and that continues to be the case there. Uh, what else have we got going on? So 20185, uh, some discussion around feature updates. And I think we talked about this a little bit last week with around Windows 10X, that the potential exists that the spring update will focus on Windows 10X, the fall update will focus on Windows 10, and the reason that is, is because the fall update is supported for 30 months. That's good for enterprise companies. And enterprises will probably just be very early, early, early testing of Windows 10X. And so the, that's why it would be in the spring. And those builds are only supported for 18 months. Um, saw a really good um, uh, article about Windows 10 servicing. This came from a Microsoft MVP. His name is Peter Edgerton. But he wrote it about Windows servicing, but he ties it to using a car analogy and how that fits together and how provisioning Microsoft Windows compares with getting a car on the road, vehicle maintenance, and all of that kind of similarity. So it's a really good read. So I highly recommend that you check that out. Of course, you know the link is on the show notes page that is linked from the show page on windowsobserver.com. Uh, FBI did issue a warning over the Windows 7 end of life. It, because if you're not paying for the upgrades and you're not paying for the security features, the extended support, then you need to not be on Windows 7. So FBI issued a warning about that to people. Um, cheap Windows. So this is a story. Cheap Windows 10 product keys. Are they legit? I published it on WindowsObserver.com this week. Uh, back in May, I wrote this for Woody, uh, Ask Woody's newsletter. And so um, they gave me permission to now republish that um, on my website. So I've got that there. A couple comments have come in. Uh, it's always an interesting discussion, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. It's always an interesting discussion around whether those those $5, $10 Windows 10 product keys that you can find advertised and supported, uh, shown off all over the Internet, are they legit or not? 
uh, and I talk about that in that story uh, and kind of tell a couple stories about them. I don't; they're not legit from the perspective of if that price is that low, if it costs a hundred dollars to buy an upgrade to Windows 10 Pro, it, it makes no sense that they're sold for ten dollars. And there's a lot of stories around what is being sold and why it's being sold, and you never know what you're going to get. And at ten dollars, if it breaks in six months because it gets reported as a inappropriate key or something. You spend another ten dollars, you're still not spending a hundred or two hundred, and I get that that's the way people look at these things. But I'm telling you, those cheap ten dollar licenses are not legit. And let's talk about this. They work. They activate Windows 10. There's a difference between being legitimate because of they're licensed properly for that device, that hardware, that system, and the fact that they work. Two very different things. Working does not lend itself to legitimacy. And legitimacy doesn't always lend itself to working, if you understand what I mean, right? It's kind of, they're not mutually exclusive, but just because something works doesn't mean it's legit, doesn't mean it's legal. Uh, will it work for a while? Sure, it will work for a while. They, they, people have commented about this, but someday it could just disappear from use. And I talk about that in this story. So if you're interested in that read, you can check that out. And then I just submitted for them to this week's Ask Woody newsletter. I shared my DNS uh, black holes experience, right? I think I've talked before about testing out PyHole on a Raspberry Pi 4. And I talked about testing AdGuard Home on a Linux-based uh, uh, Mint, Linux Mint distro on, a, on an old laptop. So I have settled in on PyHole. PyHole is going to be my DNS black hole system here on my home network. Um, and uh, But I did write about that initial discovery experience for the Ask Woody newsletter as well. And probably in a couple months, they'll let me republish that on windowsobserver.com as well. Let's move on to Edge Insider stuff. So let's review where we're at with builds. Edge Canary build is in version 86 at build 601. On Edge Dev, which did get an update this week, uh, is in version 86 as well. It's at build 594.1. And then you got Edge Beta that's in version 85 at build 564.23. And Edge Stable is in version 84, build 522.52. I've got a link here to the... Um, uh, Update notes, the release notes for the new dev channel build. We don't typically get them with Edge Canary, um, but the dev channel, we always see a, a note of stuff that's gone in and what's been changed and stuff like that, so you can check that out. And then interestingly enough, there was an issue over the last few weeks about crashing and closing of Microsoft Edge. It turns out it was related to if you were using, um, I think it was if you were using the Google engine, and it, that's when the crashes were occurring. Of course, there was nothing malicious in this, but uh, it was causing a problem. So the way to change it was you disabled, you turned off the Google search engine, uh, and that's how you got past it, or you, or you, you turned off searching in the, in the, in the address bar. Um, but here's the cool part, right? Once it was solved and figured out and fixed in an update, Microsoft's uh, IE team, or IE team, Microsoft's Edge team, took to Reddit and explained all the details behind this crash and why it happened and what was going on in order to be transparent because a lot of people assumed once they learned it was the Google search engine being the default is when the crashes were occurring. Many people assumed that that was intentionally to discourage people from using Google. Couldn't be further from the truth and you need to come read what the clarity they provided on this to help people understand why things were crashing. So I'm really impressive there with the Edge team. 
uh, tab preview. So we're starting. There's a there's a flag that you can turn on to see tab previews in Canary. So that's kind of neat to be able to see. Vertical tabs, which I think we might have mentioned last week, have rolled out more. I've still only got them on one system, but it's pretty cool. It's a little different to work with, right? Because you close windows differently or close tabs differently than you do closing the entire window because one time I had four or five tabs open and I went up on a page up to the right hand corner and hit the X and they all closed. So you've got, you've got to either train some muscle memory to close things a little differently there. You right click over on the tab and you can close it. Um, hopefully they'll figure that out and make that a little more intuitive. But it's, it's working really well and I really like the idea of the vertical tabs because when you're working with a lot of tabs, rather than being spread across the top and getting smaller and smaller and smaller, they're on the left-hand side. It's it's got you can stick it there and pin it there, and it'll always stay open. Or you can hover over with your mouse, and it will flow open. Uh, so you have a choice there, but you don't get jammed up uh, like you do across the top with the tabs. So it's really really neat feature. I'm looking forward to that being available on more stuff. Uh, another area of concerns around this past week that was brought up was this whole Microsoft versus Apple with the App Store thing in Project X Cloud. So we learned this week. I think it was this week, we learned that Project xCloud will officially come out on September 15th to anyone subscribed to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. And Ultimate is uh, applies for console and PC. It gives you access to Xbox Live Gold, the 100 Game Plus Library, so all that stuff we talked about last week about Game Pass. And, of course, now Project xCloud, the ability to stream games from the cloud to your mobile devices. And alongside of this announcement, they announced a whole bunch of new uh, mobile hardware uh, controllers to stick your phone in or tablet in to be able to control the games with game-like controllers. So all good. But one of the other things they had to do was they had to shut down the Project xCloud test app on iOS because it could never go beyond one game. And it uh, was very restricted. They could only allow so many testers in on iOS. And Apple will not allow them into the store with full access to all the games. So there's a bit of a, a tip for tat going back and forth between the Microsoft and Apple. And I've got links to the back and forth on that, okay? Um, it's unfortunate, but we've seen this with so many different things. Through either through the Apple App Store, which Apple has very strict guidance on and, and things of that nature, so that's a problem. And then um, just the fact it, it leaves so many people out, but it seems that the main way to get into the Microsoft ecosystem beyond the Windows 10 devices is on Android. But even there, we don't have full equity there because as I just described earlier, with the Your Phone app and the Samsung partnership, Samsung phones are the only ones that can stream the apps to your, your phone app on your PC. So even in that case, it's restrictive. It's not fully open. So it's unfortunate that we have to have these kind of things uh, that limit the ability to interact with our systems like that. So, But it is what it is at the moment, and uh, who knows if it will change or not, but Microsoft has shut down Project xCloud on iOS and there is no plan to come out with anything on iOS for xCloud when it opens up on September 15th. The discussions by Microsoft on the potential TikTok purchase continue. Uh, that has been going back and forth. Now Twitter is in the talks. It, the latest reports are that Twitter might be talking to TikTok about a, a potential acquisition. Microsoft's initial uh, proposal was to acquire the U.S. side of the business. In the last week, that has changed to potentially acquiring the entire business, the global business. Um, and so we'll have to continue to watch and see where all the TikTok stuff goes as well. Um, and then the other news we heard this week was the Windows division, led by Panos Pane, who's been in charge for a few months, 
um, has had a reorganization done. Get two different, very different headlines, though. Uh, from Throt.com, it's Windows Rocked by Major Reorg. And from Mary Jo Foley on ZDNet at All About Microsoft, it is the Windows Reorg brings more of the Cosign team under the Chief Product Officer, Panos Pane. So real quick snapshot. I won't go through all the names and stuff like that uh, because it'll do you easier to go read Mary Jo's or Paul's uh, story about this and you can get an idea of what's happening. But I'll tell you, uh, the snapshot here is, is that more of the core OS team, the Intelligent Edge team, um, Azure elements of Windows 10 and Windows as an OS are coming underneath Panos as the chief product officer and the guy in charge of Windows 10. So what th this lends itself to a resurgence of sort that I that Paul Thrott, I think it was, that talked about, and maybe, um, <clears throat> maybe Mary Jo as well. It's kind of a resurgence of the OS in the company. A lot of resources are being directed towards it and, it, and this could all tie together with what we discussed earlier, right? With with Windows 10X and the work on Windows 10X, with the fall update, the spring update, and all that configuration. Don't forget, Panos has only been at the range for about six or seven months. So he has not had a lot of time to put his finger on everything and to kind of put his, his touch. And I, even the May 2020 update that we just got, um, was not fully developed under Panos's leadership. This next update potentially gets more of that, and most certainly 21H1. So a lot is going on in Windows, and this is going to be very interesting to watch for a while. I already mentioned the Microsoft and Samsung partnership stuff. I've got links to that. Uh, Microsoft Rewards is going to uh, help you get Xbox Game Pass for PC and other things. You can read about that at PC World. Microsoft Ignite announced this week that they will be holding Microsoft Ignite on 22nd, 23rd, and 24th of September. It will be a 48-hour event just like build us right it starts one morning and it runs for 48 hours straight so that means there'll be some recordings and alternating live broadcasts and stuff like that in addition because there will not be any microsoft ignite tour this year there will be an additional event in 2021 early 2021 it said most likely a couple of days type event uh, that will help to kind of support and get more of the Microsoft Ignite community involvement there. So the big news items will probably come out next month in Ignite on 22nd, 23, 24th September. Uh, and then we'll see what the whole 2021 thing's going to be down the road. But no details were given except for the dates. Uh, Microsoft Whiteboard and Teams now has added sticky notes and text to it, better performance. So they've done some work on Whiteboard, especially in Teams access to make it more robust and more useful. So that's kind of what we have going on in the Microsoft world. In the Apple world, uh, beyond the whole iCloud or xCloud and iOS stuff, um, they did launch and announce via press release their new 27-inch iMac update. Uh, it's labeled a major update, so big updates around that system if you're interested. That is their desktop system. That is their um, uh, Surface Studio style device. Uh, under security, Troy Hunt uh, has open sourcing the Have I Been Pawned code base. This is the massive code base of breaches that, that many software systems and things like that are using now to kind of identify whether or not a username password has been breached. But he has decided this week, he announced formally that he is open sourcing, open sourcing the code for Have I Been Pawned. And a new API has been built to help access that for people to kind of integrate into their own services. And then we heard about Microsoft Authenticator. Now, this is a, an example of something that gets an update on iOS, and it works. Uh, Microsoft Authenticator app on iOS now has auto-lock. 
and it's or AppLock, and it's enabled by default now. So you have to unlock Authenticator to protect it. You can turn this off. So if you're happy enough with the access from your phone through Face ID or or however you get in, you can turn this setting off. But otherwise, this is an extra level of security before accessing your Authenticator app for two-factor authentication codes, and that's on iOS. Um, I can't remember. I they didn't mention anything about Android, so I'm not 100% sure if this has made it to Android yet or not. On the Google front, Google Play Music is shutting down starting next month. Paul Thorat's got some details about that. They've got instructions for how to download your music. Again, another not unlike Microsoft, another consumer service from Google that is going by the wayside. And they also published an update on Fitbit because there were some questions about. Um, their wearable devices and what they're doing there and what they're doing with data. So about the devices, uh, they've done a deal with to get Fitbit hardware, um, but it's not about the data. They're going to continue to protect that data, the health and wellness stuff. They're not going to use it to target ads, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's an explanation here from the senior vice president, Rick Osterlow of devices and services, kind of updating on the Fitbit thing. And it's specifically geared towards Europe because of uh, uh, GDRP. All right, so we got that. Miscellaneous type of tech. I did link here a wired interview with Bill Gates, an updated interview with him around COVID and all kinds of other stuff. And we learned that he, the way he helps the family out at home is to wash the dishes and to help in that kind of stuff. That's what I do. I wash the dishes after my wife cooks and feeds us or when she's baking. I, wipe, I wash the dishes. That's kind of what I do. It's my part of my contribution. Uh, and I like manually washing dishes by hand. We have a dishwasher and we certainly use it. But I really enjoy washing dishes by hand as well. Okay, gaming. Let's talk about gaming a little bit. Lots going on there, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, new Xbox Microsoft Store experience has rolled out to Xbox Insiders and at least Preview Alpha. I'm not sure if it's made it to the other levels of Alpha yet. Much faster. Uh, there's a great demo video from Major Nelson, but it is a much faster experience in getting in. And I hope they, they built it on React, which is a faster system. That is what they used to build the new Xbox app on, excuse me, on Windows 10, hoping they rebuild the store on Windows 10 and the same thing to help speed it up a little bit as well. Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, getting some new attention, games right to your mobile. This was the announcement I mentioned that announced that September 15th would be the rollout, the official rollout date of Project xCloud. Again, on Android, that's the only option there right now. Uh, also got the link here to the, the the new mobile gaming accessories from several partners that are um, that are uh, controllers that you can set your phone in and, and use them to help control the game to be a little more natural to touch and stuff like that. Uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator, a couple of hands-on reviews uh, I posted links to here. That is due to come out on the 18th of August, so that's nine days from today. So that is a week from this Tuesday the new Flight Simulator 2020 will be public. Then, by the way, day one, Game Pass, the standard edition will be on Game Pass on day one. So if you're a Game Pass subscriber, you'll be able to get Flight Simulator 2020 that day. Uh, Inf uh, Halo Infinite, remember the discussions around the quality of the video during the Xbox game uh, thing they did last month or a couple weeks ago? Uh, well, the team has responded, and they admit, yep, there's some issues. We're working on some things. They give you some insight, some real good clarity about what they're working on for the game. Uh, and then updated branding. I've got a link to Paul Thorat's story here about the updated Xbox Game Pass branding, which is basically simplifying the name to just Xbox Game Pass. It doesn't say console. doesn't say PC, etc. cetera. Uh, on the space front, hang on just a minute. All right, once again, we don't have a ton on space because it's only been a week, but we do have one from NASA, 
more Artemis rocket, uh, getting closer to hot fire testing the Artemis rocket that would be uh, the SLS, the space launch system that will be powering that that capsule, that spacecraft to the moon. Uh, SpaceX wise, last Sunday we talked about it on the show. When I wrapped up, I went and watched the splashdown of DM2 Dragon Endeavor uh, and the recovery of Bob Benkin and Doug Hurley. Went very well, except for the uh, really strange collection of private boats zipping in and around Dragon Capsule floating in the water after splashdown. Really bizarre. I think that was, in fact, it was the first question asked during the NASA press, uh, NASA slash SpaceX uh, press briefing, press conference after the splashdown, and they, they admit that it needs to be worked on. Unfortunately, that made the, the spacecraft very vulnerable. I know they were interested and people were defending them because they were interested in seeing the spacecraft, and that's fine. But you also run the risk of that being a danger to the spacecraft and the recovery crew and the astronauts inside and all of that. So you have to be careful there. Uh, also, a really good uh, business insider background about what that first human space flight was like with SpaceX, some of the moments it had, some of the lessons learned. And there'll continue to be stuff coming out as we move towards uh, the expected no earlier than for Drew, uh, Crew Dragon 1, the first mission, not a demo mission, uh, for astronauts is in by the end of September. So we're not too we're about six weeks away from that mission. Um, so again, we'll continue to see these kind of things as we learn more and more. SpaceX also launched uh, 57 more Starlink satellites the other night. I, I totally knew this was happening. Forgot to remind myself before I went to bed because it was a 1.10 a.m. just after 1 a.m. launch and it would have been a beautiful night launch to catch from my new observing spot and I, I totally forgot, woke up the next morning and realized there had been a launch. They did recover the rocket again at sea, which they're getting very good at that, becoming quite quote-unquote routine. Uh, Virgin Galactic and Virgin Orbit uh, is going to fly 11 satellites for NASA on its second orbital launch demo. Uh, Virgin Orbit is the rocket that will uh, launch from underneath of their big airplane that will take it up to altitude and then it will launch into to orbit there. Um, so that'll be important to watch and keep an eye on. They had one test already. It didn't go well. There was a problem with the rocket shortly after release and, launch and firing. Uh, Astra is a company that is looking to launch rockets out of Alaska. And they were shooting for a launch last week. They had multiple attempts this week. But between winds, the water deluge system losing pressure, a wayward boat of all things, they have not been able to do their launch this week. So I think they're recycling and they will try again this coming week. Something you can, at Astra, A-S-T-R-A is their Twitter handle, I think. You can keep up. They don't live stream the launch, though. So we have to just follow the Twitter account and look for the photos and stuff like that. All right, there's space. Uh, let's close things out with a couple of links here that I thought were interesting. One is uh, some guy put a GoPro inside of a tire and then mounted a tire on there, and he actually drove his car around in different circumstances and speeds and things like that, and you get to see what the inside of a tire does when you're driving your car. It's really slick. Um, so that was just a fun video to watch. And then a really interesting story. I'm not sure how many of you are aware of this. But when Star Trek, the original series, uh, debuted, it was, it was due to be canceled very quickly. Uh, but then the fans wrote, right? It was a big fan campaign to write in and to ask for it to not be um, canceled. And so um, Desilu Productions, which was a partnership between Lucille Ball and um, uh, her husband. Um, oh, my gosh, I can't remember his name. Desi. They, they did the Lucille Ball show together. Um, they had a studio. And that studio 
is what helped Star Trek come back and become the icon that it is. Even though it only had a three-year run, the original series, we know that it had a series of movies, six movies, and, and everything that it's become today with our current versions of Star Trek stuff. But it was really interesting to see how Lucille Ball uh, helped make that happen. So I've got a link to that story here as well. So with that, be kind to each other, as I've said before. Wear a mask when you're in the proximity of others and take care, stay safe, and do the right things to take care of each other so we can continue to survive through this pandemic and get to that end stage whenever, wherever, however that's going to come. So until next week, uh, blessings to everybody. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep your systems up to date. Take care. Mm-hmm.